the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 218. You're with Paul Spain. And Steve Sims, long-time listener and many times caller. How are you, Steve? Good, yeah. to, good to have you uh, back. Hey, thank good you very to catch much. Up again? Yeah, it's been a, a long time between drinks, as we say. Yeah. That's uh, pretty much uh, where my industry is now. So, um, so tell me, where do you fit into the tech world these days? More so uh, in mentoring people that are coming through the industry, brand new, you know, out of university, mucking around a bit with um, their ideas and helping them grow and. Uh, more so as um, a fairly active observer and commentator in the background. Um, no more of this uh, upfront and, and rolling out a new IT startup anytime soon. Right. So, uh, so Tommy Zone, you've left that. You've left that behind. You've sold up in, entirely in terms of your um, your involvement with Tommy Zone. Yeah. So the company is uh, is going along quite nicely now that it's uh, listed on the um, Aussie Stock Exchange. It's focusing on Internet of Things, the IoT world, and it's doing quite well. And certainly getting some great deals from what I'm seeing in the in the announcements. But uh, no, I have no active involvement in that company. Good. And. Uh your new business, the Birkenhead Brewing Company. Yes, the BBC. That's 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 quite a uh, quite a pivot from the tech world. Well, uh, unlike Madonna, who reinvents herself with different music, I, I kind of thought, well, this is actually a complete pivot as far as a career goes. But it's something I've been very interested and passionate about for many many years. And I mean, some people have said that I've been professionally drinking now for how many years? Um, <laughs> but to be fair, I, I think the turning point for that was when I was in San Francisco and really tasting a lot of their their beer varieties. And uh, that's when a light went off in my mind and I just left it there glowing for a while and then suddenly the opportunity came to to really give it a crack with the craft beer industry and do it right as a proper business as opposed to a hobby. And uh, so the rest is history, as they say, and uh, we've been going now, well, since October 2015, mm. uh, the, the business started and, and really hitting its straps right now. Ramping up pretty quickly. Cool. Well, let's, let's jump into uh, our tech uh, topics for... The week we would be uh, a little bit remiss on this show if we didn't uh, didn't talk a bit of technology. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the Samsung Note Seven battery woes. We've, uh, I guess, been waiting to hear from uh, Samsung for the inevitable uh, news. They've done uh, they've done a lot of research over um, the last few months. They had uh, seven hundred staff working on their team focused on. Uh, battery testing, and they've had outside firms look looking at this as well, and uh, they've come to their conclusions. Well, that's great, but there was one very, very big thing that they missed in their announcement yesterday. How many of their phones have they actually got back? How much longer do we have to listen to that announcement in Air New Zealand saying, has anyone got one of these phones, turn it off and come and see us straight away? I mean, how long is it going to take for them to actually say, right, this is now no longer an issue as far as these phones go, they're all dead and buried, gone. But um, as far as looking for the for the fault going, wow, what a complete um, uh, disaster for their, for their brand. Yeah, they're certainly getting a, a, a lot of mentions that um, maybe aren't in the sort of light of what you, what you'd usually be looking for as a as a company. Um, I did actually see a figure float through. I think it was ninety six percent of the handsets had come back now. Um, so that they've got a they've got the the large majority, but there's obviously still a still a, a um, 
you know, I guess it's a, still a sizable number that are floating around in some form or other. But what is that number? 90, 94%. How many, say, so 6% are left? What is the actual number? Because when will the mm. FAA turn around and say, hey, you don't need to say that anymore? Yeah. And by yeah. the way, don't bring on lithium ion batteries onto the plane exceeding the size and weight. <laughs> you know, is that the next one? I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the, the conclusions they came to were. were interesting they've gone into some detail and uh you know base, basically the batteries were short circuiting but there were you know there there was some shortcomings there in the in the design the first time round when when but they had multiple manufacturers so the manufacturer who they found to be at fault they stopped with those went to the other uh, battery supplier and said hey ramp up your supply we need a whole heap of these uh and apparently in in part at least because of ramping up uh, the quality dropped, and you know they also ended up with an issue. But it, it does seem that also this is my perspective on it anyway. Is that the pressures from marketing to make this amazing product to squeeze in you know X amount of um, uh, yeah bat- battery, which they wanted a uh, three thousand five hundred uh, milliamp hour um, battery um, that. That was just too much for the space, and so there were there were undue pressures there as well. So yeah, but if you if if, if you're of the belief of being a, a good gadget maker, the first thing that you do is you would let marketing have an opinion and give a direction and assist. But ultimately, it's the QA guy and the engineers that are sitting there saying, "Hey, we can't release this unless." Now, given that pressure, doesn't that really do a great deal for the confidence of the QA? that Samsung might be doing on any of their new devices right now. How do you feel about that? Well, in some ways you could say that Samsung phones going forward are likely to be the safest phones in the world because they've poured so much into getting their head around the the safety of this. And because it's cost them in the direction of 10 billion New Zealand dollars, that surely this is a mistake that they would be the least likely on the face of the earth to repeat. Well, I, I sincerely hope that they've taken those lessons on that Boeing learnt when they first came out with planes and uh, you know, and all of those things. But, but surely right now the eye of Mordor, if you like, is sitting on Samsung saying, please don't do this again. Investors, customers alike. The thing is, from a, a, a company culture point of view, I remember way back in the cell phone days, in the early cell phone days, the, the um, CEO and chairman of, um, of Samsung gathered everyone up in the lobby of Samsung in Korea and he brought in a dump truck full of phones and dumped them on the floor. Now, the whole deal with that, so the story goes, is that he pointed to every single engineer and salesperson, marketing person, QA person, assembler, the whole thing, because they were all gathered around. It was a huge lobby, as you can understand, and this pile of phones. And then he started putting them to fish tanks, and bubbles would come out of the phone. And he says, please make sure that these phones are so small and so well done. You've got too much space in them. Make sure that I can't have any air bubbles coming out of the phones as an idea. But we keep getting returns from customers because the phones aren't working properly and things like that. So at that point in time, the culture in Samsung was it's all about the quality, particularly in the phone division, right? So I'm pretty sure someone's going to say, well, actually the story was, but that's the way I recounted the story from when we were told at the time, Mm. saying, right, well, Samsung are actually quality phone products that you can buy. This was a disaster. It was a hot air balloon that went bang at 50,000 feet. Not that you'd float one up that high, but, uh, but what I'm saying is that it was disastrous consequences. I sincerely hope that their QA processes now will not end up with more hand-warming phones. 
We will see. Time time will tell. Interestingly, uh, one of my more recent visits to Huawei, um, they were running through some of the features of um, their newest newest handsets, and uh, the the Mate Eight was the one that I was looking at. And of course, that was designed pre the the these issues, uh, but it was being launched at around the same time. And they pointed out some of the smarts that they had put in there because they were well aware of there are lots of risks associated with these types of devices and particularly with uh, the lithium-ion batteries and they were highlighting that they have um, I guess some some sensors in there and when you get to certain levels it basically shuts everything everything down now of course a battery short circuiting well doesn't matter when that happens your phone can be off and that's still going to catch on fire, which is, which is, I guess, what we saw in this uh, Or jamming in, your, your, in, your, in your big lithium-ion charger in between the seat and squashing the battery. Of course, there's going to be issues. Mm-hmm. So yep. there's, there's, there's always risk there. Uh, the, the other thing that stands out for me is just that we all now need to be cautious. If Samsung can get this sort of stuff wrong, anyone could. The risks associated with, for instance, buying a cheap battery off eBay, Trade Me, um, Alibaba, Alibaba, you know th- those sorts of channels mm, is probably not so wise. Uh, if, if Samsung can make this sort of mistake, yes, it's fair to say that they 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 outsource the battery production, but uh, still, if you're buying something that's that's not from a first par- party uh, uh, manufacturer, then likely their quality control steps you bypass they don't, all. They of don't them. have a brand to protect are going to be lower still. So, Case in point, you go and buy a recharge cord for your Apple iPhone, it might be about, uh, what, $2? And you find that it's not the real deal, doesn't, and it doesn't work. Doesn't work, Never work will. very well. So yeah, same same yeah. scenario with batteries or anything. Yeah, but there's a, there's a bit more uh, at stake when it comes to a battery that could you know burn the house down, <laughs> yeah. drop a plane out of the air, uh, or other such things. So yeah. um, hopefully some, some good lessons learnt there, but... Um, I guess the unfortunate reality is is we will probably in the future see further issues around batteries. Uh, yeah, hopefully they don't lead to um, more disastrous consequences than what we what I'm we sure I'm sure designers time. are doing anything possible to make the smallest possible battery with the most amazing kinetic recharging abilities whatsoever and also you know photovoltaic and all of that kind of stuff all incorporated in a phone. Do that, that would be amazing. So it's sitting there charging off the warmth of your body. That's cool. Who knows? Well, more more things will come, but I imagine safety will sometimes continue to take a, a, a backseat to the other uh, the other pressures. So that's that's Samsung. Um, another gadget that has lithium batteries in it. Well, there are so many, um, but one that is uh, is rather interesting is this Ubco. Uh, bike, this 2 by 2 from Upco. Now this is a New Zealand uh, firm who have created what looks like um, a sort of a trail bike, uh, quite, a, quite a hefty frame to it, but it also uh, draws elements from uh, an e-cycle, an electric bicycle, or, or a traditional bicycle even in terms of its, its braking and, and some of its other components. And they are at the moment doing a, a capital uh, raise, so they're raising funds to uh, to establish their their business. They've been they're already selling the bikes. You can go and buy them in uh, in retailers right now. Uh, the one I took one out for uh, for a ride, 
and that was uh, in Auckland from one of the one of the local uh, cycle retailers in uh, Newmarket, and they're called uh, Bikes and Beards, I believe, um, <laughs> which is a, a, a great name. Um, and uh, they've got a funky little little shop there, just amongst the uh, the other retailers um, in Newmarket, and they've got a whole lot of uh, of e-cycles, but. They've also got this Upco. Now, what's unique about it? Well, there's a couple of things. It sort of sits between a motorbike and a, and a, and an electric normal, you know, bicycle, uh, which means that they've had some challenges in terms of getting it road legal because it's not quite legal as a bicycle because your e-cycles, you've got to actually be able to pedal on them, I believe. Yeah, and um, there's, there'd also be uh, speed scenarios of, of where you're allowed to, to ride them at certain speeds. Um, there are so many... Um, rules and regulations with these things. I, I know that a friend of mine, uh, uh, who's Mr. Segway in New Zealand, um, has those issues with 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 a, a a mobility scooter. Yes. So therefore, controlled under those laws, or just a personal transporter, which is um, so. Uh, this this particular invention from Upco, I'm, I'm very impressed with it. It, it looks amazing. Um, it's fun not, to fun to ride too. Well, especially, um, especially when you call it a two wheel drive bike. I yeah. mean, wow. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. seen that before. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, you know, I imagine there are some some technical challenges mm-hmm. to having uh, both you know front and front and rear rear wheeled uh, powered. As you mentioned, we were chatting chatting earlier when you're turning and so on. You've got obviously got different uh, yeah different, different wheel speeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I d- I did see in somebody's uh, review that it, that had done a you know a chunk of of testing. I think out on a farm. Um, um, and this was going back sort of mid mid last year when they were first putting them out uh, in the in the market for uh, for review, and they mentioned that there, there were maybe you know some shortcomings there, but uh, certainly the the quick uh, amount of time that I spent on it, it was uh, it was just great fun and not certainly not as f- as fast as a full blown uh, motorbike, but in terms of something that uh, you know you you'd just be blading around uh, town on is, uh, is is pretty good. And I mean they're not of course not street legal yet, so um, you you should by rights be uh, be using them on the on so, the farm. So so let's just roll this for a second here, Paul. <laughs> You're actually test riding this thing from a shop in Newmarket. Right, shopping central in Auckland. Yeah, um, I'm kind of guessing, and I know the location of the shop because it's right next door to my favourite bar, the Lumsden Free House down there. Yeah, yep. it's a, you know my favourite bar in Newmarket. I didn't so, run anywhere over. No, so so the Lumsden Green has actually got a park out in front of it. That's very, true. Very famous. So yeah. is this where you rode that thing? Yeah, that's right. That's ah, right. right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's not the road. So that's a park. So you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I did, just I, in case, I, I did do some of the riding on that bit. And um, yeah, a, a good bit of fun. Um, you know, a good bit of talk, bit of um, you know, no no problem up you know up the little hills that were there. Um, so one of the things that impressed me when I was reading through the guff on snowball dot, uh, snowballeffect.co.nz yeah, which for is the, where they do the, the fundraising. If anyone wants thinks this is a, a good idea and you want to uh, read chip the in and buy, buy some shares, the product page is really really interesting because um, when you look at this bike, it's not only just an electric bike and you go, huh, everyone's got an electric bike. This is a connected one. It's connected to the cloud. So, for instance, you can um, you can subscribe to their service uh, for, for well, you get your free account, which tells you the speed and everything else on your little app or whatever. Um, and then, as you go through the graduated scales of software subscription, you can actually see things like crash reports. Uh, you can you can do things, uh, you know. For instance, this would make a really amazing um, bike hire 
uh, business. Um, so a little bit different than a Segway hire business. In this one, it gives you a bit more freedom to ride it around the city. Um, as an operator, you can actually see where that bike is. You can turn the thing off and immobilise it if the person's going off off piste, so to speak. That's kind of cool. And so and and you can also give emergency buttons. Um, to the riders that they can push and suddenly um, suddenly be there uh, or, or you know the, the operator can go and, and, and see them or it can be connected to an emergency service so it, it's it's more than just an electric bike the tech has been well thought through and I love it hmm. looks great they're selling uh, New Zealand uh, primarily for now and well, actually quite a, quite a lot of uh, dealers listed in Australia and I think they've got one in the UK um, $8,000 so it's not low cost but of course, the, the utility of these things is is of interest, and they've got Department of Conver- uh, Conservation uh, that I believe have uh, have jumped on board. So, you know, if they can get uh, get that momentum going with maybe uh, a lot of farm use and you know particular scenarios where where an electric uh, bike works really well, um, hopefully that'll give them the um, you know the momentum they need to be able to uh, get them road legal and and so on, and then really ramp up the uh, the numbers. But I'd be pretty happy to uh, to have one of these. They've got a um, hundred uh, kilometer uh, range. Takes about six hours to charge. Weighs fifty eight kilos. Uh, top speed fifty two k's an hour. So yeah. yeah, not not super fast, but for uh, just you know general uh, general getting around and so on. But then, it does uh, need to be made good. road legal at that particular speed. I think from memory, the segways had to be limited to twenty six kilometres an hour or something like that to make them personal transporters or mobility devices. Right. So and you, going on, you know, the path. new the new New Zealand Post vehicles that you see the little Paxter things uh, rolling around delivering your mail three times a week. Um, those those electric um, powered vehicles road legal, of course, and you see them hooning off at uh, at traffic lights with a beautiful linear speed that um, leaves our combustion engine friends way behind. Um, but in saying that, so does an electric bike. It would be so fascinating to ride that and actually have e-bike races um, where it's only down to your skill. Yeah, it's, um, it's cool. So, yeah, there's, there'll be, uh, there'll be you know, a lot more to come, I think, in this particular uh, area. The uh, couple of other products that I had a look at while I was, uh, while I was down there... Um, at Bikes and Beds was um, the Livall uh, helmet, which is a, a smart helmet, so it's uh, Bluetooth connected. You can use it to listen to your podcast, for instance, while you're uh, while you you know on your bicycle or your your e-cycle. Um, and it's got something a bit more on top than just the the Bluetooth, so you can take calls and, and listen to uh, look, listen to stuff um, through the helmet. It also has LED lights at the back, so there are some at the top that sort of move backwards and and forwards. So there's you know just constant movement, so people can see you. Uh, certainly great if you're dr- driving in or cycling in the dark. And you've got a little remote control that can go on your uh, on your handlebars, so you can indicate for left and right, and have the little indicators come up on the helmet as well. That's that's pretty cool. That your your, your LED head becomes a lead head. Yeah. Um, but there was something else that I was reading uh, in in the specs on this one, and um, the thing that was very cool was the walkie-talkie feature. So a bunch of you riders have the same helmet. You can talk to each other quite nicely without having to shout at each other, uh, and the motorists hear your, your your deepest darkest secrets about riding. Um, <laughs> so so I mean these these are the kind of uh, features that I, I really like out of out of something like that. And coming back to that higher bike model, wouldn't it be cool if this this helmet and that bike 
the, the Upco bike, for instance, were both put together as a package, and here you go, I can talk to you from wherever. I did a similar thing down in Glenorchy recently, which was one of those uh, eco um, eco things where you take a four-wheel drive out, yeah, and it yeah. had the iPad there, and the operator was sitting back at his base way back in wherever, and I was riding the river with my wife, and he would communicate and tell me, hey, you're off piste or you're on track or, hey, isn't this, uh, why don't you just stop there? There's an amazing view. So you think about That's this cool. as a business That's idea. Good. Any entrepreneur listening, please think about this as a really cool business idea of hiring bikes. Econom- uh, not only are they eco-friendly, economically you'd be the coolest gig in town because suddenly you've got an interactive thing back with the operator. And even with those Bluetooth headsets, um, combine that with a bit of GPS and suddenly you're riding down, let's say, uh, Mount Eden Road, uh, just ahead of you, a hundred metres away, is the post, a nice place to stop for lunch. But on the left, you'll also see Mount Eden, and that Maunga is a blah 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 blah. So you know you can have some tour guiding going on um, as well. So anyway, into my entrepreneurial rant. The thing is that this helmet here is is just uber connected, and if you crash, it can send out an SOS signal. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the other thing I had a look at was the, or a ride of, was the uh, Pacer uh, Smart Motion. It's a twenty eight hundred dollar uh, e cycle. Uh, pretty pretty cool at the sort of um, uh, more you know bit more mountain bike ish than than some of the uh, other bikes. And yeah, that that was really good. And you can sort of you know ramp up the power assist. So uh, if you're going you're know, going up somewhere that's a bit steep, or you're running out of steam, then you just ramp that up and uh, gives you a bit more help. Um, yeah, really, really, really simple, easy to read, nice little screen, so you could see what was uh, what was going on. And you know, I can I can get now why uh, why this is actually encouraging more people to jump back onto. Uh, onto bikes particularly in hilly locations because i remember growing up in christchurch you know cycling that was just the norm because it was a flat it was a flat city and um you know it just it just wasn't a problem to cycle but until you went up the port hills uh, yeah well going up the port hills that's uh (laughs) you know that's that's a challenge that i guess that you know keener cyclists definitely take on and uh good on them i certainly never never did and i you know i probably wouldn't anytime soon um but maybe with with an e-cycle that you know that would increase the number of people that would uh, would get on their bikes in, it's a bit more in other parts of the country. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, even even in just discussing uh, pre-recording about you and 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 cycling in general, it's kind of got me thinking that mm, this is quite an interesting thing because around Auckland, for instance, we've got all these new bike lanes that are that are starting to get a bit popular, uh, and and you know even just going up to the shop instead of jumping in a V8 car to go up to the shop. Why don't I just take the bike? I'm just going to go and buy something small. Um, so these e-bikes actually make a lot of sense, uh, or, or anything with electricity and two wheels, um, because it's just easy and easy to do. Although I did notice in the specs on this one, it contains a 36-volt Samsung battery. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm sure that that battery's okay, though. Let's let's hope so for uh, for everyone's sake, because uh, you don't really want uh, you know flames uh, bursting up. Um, you know, from between your legs while you're uh, riding that thing. That Great seat seat warmer. It mm-hmm. could be uh, rather painful. Um, all right, on to <laughs> on to other topics. Uh, Apple's AirPods finally uh, arrived, and so I've I haven't had too long to play with them yet, but I thought it just a you know a, a first impression. So these are 
I've got to say, this, they're very smart. So when I first opened, and they come with a little holder, and these are uh, Apple's uh, Bluetooth earphones that, uh, you know, you may have seen some of the tweets and the pictures of them hanging out of people's ears and uh, someone then that, um, and I know I did share this tweet too, uh, of the, the the tips of a uh, electric toothbrush that sort of looked similar if you put them in your ear. Um, but in in actual fact, the, the technology is great. I opened the, the packet next to my phone and I'm just showing this to, to Steve right now, but I hadn't actually paired these or anything. I just opened them next to my phone and the phone recognized that they were within radius, hadn't been paired before, and you know, basically gave me the option to automatically connect. Now I've just opened the little container which keeps the uh, AirPods charged. And as I've opened that, it gives me an indication at the moment. It's saying that the uh, the, Air, the AirPods themselves uh, are 95% uh, charged, and that the uh, the little dock uh, or little carrier is 71% charged. So that that means that I can put them back into this charging case, and they will they will they will just recharge. And then I put the actual case itself onto my uh, iPhone uh, charger and that will charge. Now, smart enough that you can use them in one or, or both ears, so you can just pull one out. I was wandering around with just one in my ear earlier. Uh, I found the experience quite quite good. Um, and the thing, the thing that makes this of interest to me, and bear in mind these are a $269 product, so they're not a not just a casual purchase for everyone. You don't want to lose them. Um, you want to, yeah, you definitely want to hold on to them. Um, but one of the things I decided for this year is that I want to consume more content, I want to learn more uh, and educate myself more, so I want to be listening to more podcasts. And so that means I want to uh, not only listen to podcasts while I'm in the car, um, while I'm exercising, but basically if I walk down to the shops, if I'm uh, at, in the supermarket, those sort of scenarios, then having having something with me. This the little uh, the little container they come in. Which um, Steve, what did you think this uh, this looked a bit like? Looked like um, looked like Tic Tacs. Looked tic, like little uh, Tic Tac. Yeah, box little Tic Tac box or floss box. Yeah, quite quite small small enough just to squeeze in your pocket. Actually, take yeah. with you virtually anywhere without too much hassle. And when you take them out, they go back into the box, which means they keep uh, recharging. And yeah, I just I think they're quite practical to carry around. One of the questions is, will you be comfortable with one of these things hanging out of your um, ear? Um, so I, I have a kind of a view on that, and uh, I have a very good friend uh, who will remain remain unnamed, but every time he uh, um, he makes an appearance, he has this gigantic Bluetooth headset attached to his, his brain, and I'm sure it's telling him to breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> but it, he does look like a bit of a cyborg down again, and so, so for me personally, that's kind of an accessory that I thought was a little step too far in saying that and in having a discussion with you about these uh the, these earpods i think they're they're really awesome because they're small but i'd love to see that little um stick disappear um which would be cool and i'd love it in black <laughs> rather than just white um but uh, to be fair i've thought about the convenience option because at the moment at home i've, I've in, in my office i just go and throw my phone on a stand and then a phone call would come through i'd go and reach for my cabled headphone stick it in, talk, then take it out and carry on. Um, it's a bit of a, a, a labour, whereas if I had one of those, 
put that in, answer the phone, off I go, and shorten the hassle factor up. Um, I am going to buy one. Sorry, Carol. Uh, you'll hear this and just go, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> my wife is always uh, loving the new gadgets. Um, but uh, but the, I think they're awesome. And the, pr- the price is the price. You're paying for quality. Yep. And, uh, you know, Apple has done some, some, some smart stuff with these. They, I mean, I loved how easy they were to pair and, and how they work. It figures out whether you've got one or two in your ear and, and so on. Um, reasonably okay sort of transition uh, as I get in and out of the car because I plug my, when I'm using the iPhone, I'm plugging it into um, CarPlay on, in, in the car. Um, and if I'm on Android, of course, I'm, I'm plugging into the Android Auto um, on the car. So that's how I'm listening to podcasts and content and, and, and doing calls. Um, given a little bit of testing there, but it does, in certain scenarios, if you're, say, in the middle of, um, in the middle of listening to content or a call, um, I think it's, it tends to stay on the AirPod, um, but then I got a message through that came up on the on the screen on CarPlay because I plugged the phone in. I think it was to tell me there was a, a text message or something. As soon as I touched that screen to action it from the uh, from the car side of things, then then the audio and so on would flip it flip right. across to there. Um, but it, it it does seem to work well, and I just think it's it's nice that you're not having to pick up your phone and hold it to your ear and that you can be listening to content, uh, you know, any any time. So one of the major tests, I must say, Paul, is, A, can you use it at the gym when you're running on the uh, running thing? This is a test that I'm going to challenge you with and hopefully you'll, you'll tell us how it went. Um, particularly when you're going for a long bushwalk, will these things fall out of your ears? Um, because I, I notice that they're still the hard plastic. They're not the, uh, the 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 fancy little rubbers with small, medium, or large, or or self fitting, form fitting. So they do seem to they do seem to fit fine for me. Yep. Um, but I, I that's the, that's the downside. I think for those type of scenarios, still some of the sport sporty type uh, ones that you know, go around your neck or something as well would yes. be would be safer. But uh, you know, I guess it, it, you know you're going to have to make that call on what those risks are. And whether you would notice them falling falling out of your ears, I haven't had them fall out yet, uh, so th- that could be unfounded. They may they may be just fine, but mm. uh, I guess that's something we'll find out. Maybe, maybe watch over, the space for time. for earpod covers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you could just glue them glue them into your ear. Lovely, yeah. Um, not I'm not recommending that. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you know anyone later wants to sort of send me their um, you know. I just uh, hosp- tried what you hospital bill. Um, yeah, no, um, that that wasn't quite what I was uh, what I was suggesting. Um, Kim dot com. Uh, last week we I, I got a notification from uh, from one of his team to say that uh, there was an exciting launch coming up on the um, the anniversary of the uh, the raid on the dot com mansion, which was the launch of um, Mega Upload two point and and Bitcash and. Yeah, this to me read like uh, some some good innovative tech technology, and you know I was genuinely genuinely interested in uh, in seeing what it would all all look like. Um, but it seems they got stuck at the last hurdle, and uh, twelve million dollars worth of uh, funding that they thought they had all lined up um, all came apart, and so, uh, yeah, so this so hasn't gone ahead as as planned. Seemed seemed a bit uh, somewhat complicated, Steve. So, so uh, reading between the lines, uh, so what we understand, these facts are they've got some funding line potential based on a very large valuation of the Bitcash um, business, so Bitcoins. Um, the 
funding line was with a listed company in Canada. Am I correct in yes, saying that? Yes, yeah. And so being a listed company, um, having gone through that myself personally for Australia, um, there are a bunch of rules and regulations that apply to that company. That includes, um, you know, even things with financial transactions. You've got to know your customer and you don't necessarily know who your customer is with Bitcoin. So I suspect that that was maybe a hurdle too far uh, for the um, Canadian listed company to to get past the door. I'm speculating here. Mm. Um, What I am saying, though, also is that um, hats off to Kim.com because he he is an innovator. He's quite a clever chap. And um, he's got time to think about really cool ideas because he hasn't got the pressure of um, having to, um, you know, uh, make the number. Um, every day. So, uh, look, he, he has, a, has a wonderful outlook of where he is, and so he can create some really cool things. But that's and what innovators do. They have time and pause to do things like that and a bit of resource behind them. And Kim.com is one of those people. Yeah, I mean, he has continued to come up with, with smart stuff, and I haven't, uh, you know, it's fair to say I haven't always been a, um, a fan of uh, some of the things that he's, uh, he's done over the years, but I, I totally think that he is... A very smart cookie, and he does come up with with innovative and uh, you know and and new stuff. And you know he seems to be able to generally go out there and get the funding and so on. I mean that that's a lot of funding to get for a, a new venture. And yep. um, you know he's well he he was almost there with it. Uh, obviously he's had other funders as well through uh, um, through crowdfunding. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how quickly they can get through this and uh, and get launched. I'm hoping we'll get to have a bit of a chat to him and uh, and you know get some insights into it and and some of the other things that he's uh, that he's thinking about maybe for a for a future uh, episode. So we'll, you, you we'll, might have we'll to take your mobile there. podcast unit down to Prince's Wharf and just wait by his big gigantic Merc. Um, <laughs> he'll come out and have a, have a chat to you. I mean, to be fair though, he is generally approachable mm. as long as you're uh, you're not out there to say. Um, Certain opinion things that will just not really agree. I, I guess it's kind of like well, no, um, no, saying no. hi to Donald Trump, but <laughs> but at the same time, you treat people with respect, you get respect back. And and Kim dot com, to be fair, um, is 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 probably a really really nice guy. Although I haven't personally met him. Yeah, I, I mean the, the the time I met him, he was he was fine. He was very busy because it was the launch of uh, the the Mega Dot uh, in NZ site. But uh, you know he was willing to put aside some some time for a for a chit chat and so on. So um, yeah, let's let's see where it uh, where it all goes. Um, well, good luck to him. Now, yes, absolutely. Now, career. Um, there is a Korean take on the uh, the Hyperloop, apparently, and the Hyperloop, of of course, being this uh, this new sort of train uh, that Elon Musk was was touting, and uh, you know, has, has shared all his uh, or open sourced all his uh, open source transportation, um, his expertise and, and and knowledge on this idea, and, and left it out there for anyone to see if they want to give it a go. Uh, so the the um, the media has been reporting that there's a Korean take on the on the Hyperloop, and it sounds like they are in development of a train that could reach speeds that uh, land very close to a thousand kilometres an hour. That would be incredible to achieve uh, something like that. That that's you know, well, it's not a low Earth orbiting satellite; it's a low terrain uh, speed monster without any friction. Uh, so we saw the test of Hyperloop One, uh, a quick video of that, and they were starting to prove some of the theories. Are yeah, they're actually. 
fairly bang on. Um, and it's those crazy ideas that spur the development. Now, the Koreans giving it a crack at 900, what was it, 997 kilometres an hour or, yeah. or some bizarre number. Yeah. That, that's, that's Auckland to Wellington in around about, what, 40 minutes or less uh, with a Hyperloop. Now, here's another challenge. ECNZ or who are the, what Transpower, whoever has those power lines, right, the, the, big, the big robots up and down the country, stick a Hyperloop, couple of Hyperloop um, uh, tubes on either side of those things between Auckland and Wellington. Boom. Done. <laughs> so, because you've already got the rights to go and stick something there, um, I guess. But um, wouldn't it be cool to, to see this technology be real, where you can do San Francisco to LA in a few minutes? Uh, I, I want it from... Um um, yeah, I guess the the common the common whatever common route it is, we'd all we'd all like it. Whatever our route is, whether it's across a city, uh, whether it's to another another city, the challenge will be how expensive is it, and and does the whole thing actually end up adding up? Because uh, I mean, you look at public transport systems, for instance, right? There's a, there's a lot that goes into sort of subsidise to make them work. Um, I wonder what the equation will be around the Hyperloop. Is it, is it something that would actually pay for itself? Yeah, possibly, because uh, as, as you appreciate, I do a fair bit of um, travel in China. And uh, so when you land in Shanghai Pudong Airport, um, if you feel like a quick trip into you know, uh, Shanghai, take the maglev. And um, it's quite a, a neat trip. But it really is just a test track to prove um, Siemens could actually make something really cool, which um, I understand that has been copied again elsewhere in China. But um, the the point being is that maglevs are certainly a good, fast way to make things work. They're very expensive, but uh, but I, I can tell you, having been a passenger numerous times, fast transportation on the land. Um, without any any stops is a very very cool way to go and you get to see a lot more than sitting in a plane and it's pretty efficient not having to go up and down and all of all of that sort of stuff that's associated with uh, air travel yes yeah yeah um now oh special thanks to uh, to listeners who have provided uh, feedback on um my sort of i guess my first sort of real solo uh episode last week uh, that was uh it was actually, it was a, a little bit um, it was a little bit daunting actually I've got to say I, I decided look this is a good idea to do um, but I'd only done it I did it in one form once before which I think was uh, one of the events in the US uh, last year where a couple of uh, interviews had fallen through and I wanted to uh, wanted to provide some coverage of that event uh, as as quickly as I could uh, after the event so uh, so I, I think I ended up recording my uh, my sort of commentary from the back of an Uber on the way to the airport. <laughs> so so you're kind of like a talkback host without the callers, <laughs> something like that. Um, so so I gave sort of a, a bit of an overview there for that one. But for for last week it was it was it was actually a bit a little bit more planned. Um, and I guess the surprise for me because initially I wasn't even sure whether it was uh, uh, because I hadn't really done it before whether whether it would be uh, whether it would be of interest. So I had a couple of people have a listen and they said, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay." So that's why it was uh, released a little bit later. And uh, yeah, interestingly, we had uh, lots of feedback. So you know, thank you for those that got in touch um, via via uh, email and uh, and Facebook and. Um, I think via the website, so yeah, that was uh, that was really appreciated. It was great to uh, great to get that engagement and uh, and to get people's comments back. Um, one of the things that um, was was highlighted um, 
came from it was Jeremy Dawes in Australia who gave some uh, some some feedback, and this was I, I guess in in relation to my commentary around the future and uh, and where things are heading, the need for us to be thinking like futurists as we move into a world of automation. Um, and he actually sent a little um, a little audio response, so we're going to uh, we're going to play that now. Uh, hey Paul, uh, my name's Jeremy. I have a web marketing agency in Australia called Jazzweb. I was thinking about your question about how could automation affect our work. And it is something I've been considering more lately. And apart from just the obvious of like, you know, having a driverless car so I can tap away and get some work done on the way to and from an appointment, which that would be fantastic and would, you know, make a massive difference to my productivity. But another area which I think might not be that far away is the automation of tasks. So... Now, on the computer, we can set up a little automation that you might resize some JPEGs or change file names, things like that. And there seems to be a huge opportunity for that to be simplified so that a non-technical person can essentially create like a macro or, or equivalent to that for some kind of operation. And whatever that is, the activity on their computer or interaction on their devices between things in the home and the computer, at the moment, you, you need to be a bit technical to do a lot of this kind of stuff. And, you, you know, you can do things with Zapier or If This Then That, and you can certainly write macros and the automator on the Mac and all these kinds of tools, they, they exist, but they're, they're not as user-friendly as, like, just opening up your web browser and off you go on the internet. So if if that technology became super user friendly, I think that would be a kind of robot-ish automation in the workplace that could make a massive difference. Because you imagine if if you could create some processes that were smart enough to figure out how to really deal with your email in a more intelligent way than just some messaging rules. And, and set up re- automatic replies and like a email automation or to tell it to open up exactly the right programs depending on which day of the week it is or to schedule up calls that you need to return so you just tap them on the screen and off you go there's there just is heaps of opportunity there for that to be improved i think so that was uh, that was jeremy some interesting thoughts there artificial intelligence wouldn't it be cool if it could read your email and know that it's a sales order and go, ah, I'll, I'll respond with something really cool rather than a messaging rule. He's, he's bang on. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, automation, robots inside things and, and stuff. Oh, what an insightful question and answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, um, it triggered a thought for me as well. And, you know, I think we've got to keep a positive view on what where technology is going to take us. We've got to be you know, wise about the decisions that we make, but not uh, not get you know down about what the future might look like. Because I'm sure, you know, the technology is there to serve us, not the other way around. So I'm sure we can make this stuff work out. Um, but as everyone sort of, or a lot of people are worrying about, well, all our jobs are going to disappear and so on. Um, you know, Jeremy's comment reminded me that look, we've been automating things with technology ever since technologies existed. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's what we've and, been doing. And, and, um, and, and to be fair, to record macros inside Excel, um, do automated tasks on your Mac and things like that, 
they're not for the everyday kind of person to kind of get their head around. Zapier, he brought up a great example. Mm. I've used that numerous times for if that to that between apps, mm. uh, which I think is really cool. But, you know, it should be the, the next layer of people that, who are far more intelligent than us that can actually go and put these things together by just looking at the screen rather than having to learn it. So, so these things um, have to be uh, made for humans, not made for techies. And uh, that's that's why there's a, a bunch of tech firms that actually have that in their DNA when they they make products or sell software or, or make software for you, and 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 he's he's right. Now I don't think that there is a very very simple way that I've seen um, to record an Excel macro by saying, hey, look, I'm thinking about this, and just talk to the machine. Mm. And the machine mm. will go back and do its bits and pieces and say, actually, have you thought of this formula? Yeah. And by the way, you forgot about that. Mm. Um, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Yes, it would. It yeah. would have saved me yeah. probably about four hours of my forecasting last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or something that can just do that across all your apps that's sort of, you know, smart yeah. enough to, yeah. oh, yeah, you're being a bit repetitive there. You seem to do that same thing uh, every, you know, every, every week. And, so, uh, so the AI is saying instead of or... Maybe, and it's setting up rules for you. And, and it notices the bits you do the same and uh, just, just will handle those and then ask you the questions for the in-between bits if, if they're needed. But this gentleman is simply saying, I want things to save time. Mm. Well, why? Because it's something that you can't get back. And, and, and that's, that's exactly what technology is about. It's about making things more efficient. In fact, that's the reason, you know, you look at way back when mobile phones are there. You can take a call on the road. Wow, isn't that cool? Yes, it saved you time. You don't have to go back to the office and read that little while you were out pink sticker. Um, so, yeah. I'd uh, forgotten about those things. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, lucky we're young enough to remember that. But um, so, so the, the, the thing that, that he's touching on, which I, which I absolutely love, is that he'd love it to become easier to automate simple things because right now it's too hard and there is a gaping opportunity for someone to just have that, that epiphanous moment to say, oh, yeah, what about this? Someone's got it worked. Someone, so I'm sure somebody out there will, will work that out. So, um, yeah, that's good. Well, thanks, thanks Jeremy, and thanks others who, um, who got in touch. That was really, uh, really appreciated. Um, and... Going, yeah, going, going from here. If, um, if anyone, and I'll repeat this, uh, just because you know, one, one of those that did email in said, "Hey, you, you mentioned on a podcast recently that uh, you're looking to launch more podcasts through Podcasts uh, NZ this year." Um, so I'll repeat it again. Um, if anybody out there listening is interested in in launching a podcast, then get in touch. We have a, a partnership model. We work with others on on launching podcasts this year. We are planning to launch a lot more content. Uh, and that begins right now. We are uh, well, we've just launched uh, the New Zealand Wine Podcast. So uh, I'm sure there'll be one or two amongst the the listeners that um, you know are, uh, are very much up with up with their play on wine, or who would uh, like to be a little bit more uh, up with up with the play. And uh, it's actually a fascinating fascinating series of podcasts. I listened to uh, uh, to some of them as they were being uh, being recorded. And to yeah, a bunch of bunch of the content, and uh, you know, there's discussions in there with winemakers. Uh, we've got um, uh, people that have been involved in the wine industry. One uh, one chap from a, a family that's been in the wine industry uh, for well over a, a hundred years. He's he's French, but French, but he's uh, based in New Zealand and, and distributing wine now. Um, so th- there was a whole series around the uh, the wine regions of, of France. So yeah, quite a uh, quite a fascinating listen. Uh, even for for me as as not a you know not a huge 
uh, wine uh, aficionado, but uh, but I, I still found it uh, quite quite fascinating. Content is king, and especially if it's relevant to you and and you find really great interest in it, but you've got to have good people that have really good reasonable things to say. Mm. And mm. Um, I mean, thank you, Paul. Um, <laughs> but but um, uh, uh, for instance, Craft Beer has a myriad of podcasts, but they're hodgepodge. So yeah, we'll be talking after this one. Yeah, um, yeah. But but um, I think I think the more content you can produce that is relevant, really succinct. Um, it's got decent, credible information and not full of alternative facts. Thank you, Mr. Trump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then I, th- I think you've got a really, really nice business model here. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, great to catch up again, Steve. Lovely and, to see you. And um, we might head off and, uh, and drink some wine now. Okay. All right, good stuff. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, feel free to get in touch. You can hit me up directly on email, paul at spain.nz um, or at Paul Spain on, on Twitter and you can you can reach me on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Um, Steve, you uh, still tweet these days? Yeah, I, I still tweet at Simsy. Um, you'll see a lot more beer tweets coming from me these days about beer that I'm drinking and what I think about it and sometimes the odd opinion piece. Um, and so, yeah, you'll find me there and LinkedIn, the that, usual suspects. That's good. I think we've got one or two, uh, one, one or two that consume beer that listen in, so uh, you might have a new follower. Well, let's have a there. vote. Um, if, if everyone post a quick comment to Paul about who drinks craft beer, and then we're in. Or I'd like to rephrase that: it's not craft beer; it's good beer. Good beer. Good beer. Or good wine. Or great wine. All right, good stuff. Hey, thanks everyone for listening in. Catch ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.